It's time for JT the Brick. How are we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? What do we want to talk about with the Raiders? So I want to see an interception. I want to see some sacks. Raiders come with four. Here comes the fifth rusher. And he's sacked. Deshaun Bauer had him around the waist. And the Raiders defense holds on fourth down. And then your boy JT got it right. JT the Brick. Always, always great to be with the Brick. I don't spend a lot of time on teams that don't make the playoffs. We talk about what matters in championships and winning here. It's Big Boy Radio. That is the best atmosphere in a preseason game that I've ever been a part of. And that's easy to say that, clearly. Get your ass out here and get ready. Here we go. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT, as we begin here and get rolling on Raider Nation Radio, Tuesday, September 27th. I hope everybody's doing good. We got a busy, busy, busy show lined up today, which I'm excited about. So jump on in whenever you want to get a chance. We'll preview the Denver Broncos pretty much the rest of the week. 90 degrees, man, like a summer day. I just got out of the pool for a swim. My wife says, relax, relax, relax. I can't relax. Raiders need a win. Raiders need a win. We made the rule yesterday. No playoff talk. Just get a win. Raiders are a favorite in this game which is remarkable. You want to hear a stat here that will blow you away. Uh, Since 1989, only 35 teams that have been 0-3 have been favored in Game 4 by two or more points. Those teams in Game 4 are 11-23-1 against the spread and and 14-21 straight up. They're making the Raiders a favorite against Denver because Denver hasn't played well. Denver doesn't look good. Denver doesn't look right, but they're 2-1. And uh, I think there's a lot of fan bases that are happy that their team just has one win after three games. If you have two, it's like a bleep and luxury. And the 3-0 and teams, like Philadelphia, some teams are 3-0 and because they're good. Other teams are 3-0 and because they played an easier schedule. Raiders' schedule gets no breather, no break at any point in time. It would have been nice to have Houston on the schedule, wouldn't it have? would have been nice to have the Jets on the schedule. would have been nice to have a cupcake waiting for you, but the Raiders had that one game against Arizona, up 20 to nothing at the half. They didn't take advantage of it. And that game against Arizona, not the Titans game, the Arizona game has signified the entire season. It has put a magnifying glass over the entire year, and everybody's just wondering how the Raiders are going to recover from that loss at home because they weren't ready to play when they got to Tennessee on defense. We're going to hear from Patrick Graham. I think he spoke for about 16 minutes. Adult Bobby will play about five or six of it coming up here. I'm real concerned on the defense due to injuries, and we're waiting on the injury report when we see it here and we see it later in the week and who's out there practicing or not. Another concern for me, which I don't have yet, but it's a concern later in the year, is when you're not winning, it's easy to get on the injury report. Always a big term with coaches. You know, all of a sudden guys find themselves in the tub. All of a sudden guys find themselves a little banged up and they can't practice or they don't want to play. Uh, I don't see that happening here with this team because I think the leaders in the locker room are going to take control. Uh, Darren Waller will be featured on Real Sports tonight. He had his foundation banquet last night. They raised a lot of money. He's the leader. Derek Carr is a leader. Even though you might not be thrilled with Derek and his play and his rankings now, he's a leader. I think Josh McDaniels is a leader, and Dave Ziegler are leaders. From talking to them, they know how to lead and get people in the right spot. Max Crosby, fantastic young leader for the Raider organization. I don't know about the rest of the guys. I don't. I don't know a lot of them. I don't know many of the new guys, and I don't know what they're like as leaders. I don't know what Chandler Jones is like. I was 
really opportunistic about him coming in and being a freak and a leader, and he hasn't played yet to his ability at all. And that's starting to be a tiny baby elephant in the room. Not a giant elephant with two giant tusks that come at, come at you in Africa. No, this is just a little baby elephant in the room, the play of Chandler Jones and what happened to his legs. Josh Jacobs, I thought he showed a lot of leadership getting on the plane with an illness and coming out there and playing, and he's doing the best he can. He's getting limited carries, you know, limited carries, and he's trying to make the best of all of it. I know Matt Collins is a leader. He's the captain of the special teams and a captain on the team. He's a leader. Devontae, I love the fact that Devontae's pissed off. That might be my favorite topic all week, everybody, because I love previewing games and Denver's in town. We have Brandon Cristal coming up. He's really good. He's in the locker room. He covers the Broncos. He's going to join us. Also, Jeff Sherman from over at the Westgate on the moving lines on how to bet this Raider and Denver game. We're going to talk to him. Sam from Sam and Ash, my injury attorney buddy. He likes to talk sports, and he comes in because he's a partner on the show. And uh, Levi Edwards will join us inside the Raiders, their digital reporter who covers the team. So we got a packed show. Number is 702-365-9200. Sound off like you got a pair. And just tell me how they're going to win this game. That's all I care about. Let's keep it really, really simple. How do you win the game against Denver? Denver's got Chubb coming off the edge. Jerry Judy, their offensive line is okay. I don't think it's a great offensive line. They don't have a lot of playmakers. They don't really. That was the whole thing about Denver coming into this year. Everybody forgot, even the people that were lapdogs to the Denver Broncos and loved them to win the division. Those people are looking pretty good right now because of the injury to Justin Herbert. And the fact that the Chargers are slaughtered. If the Raiders were 2-1 and one the way they should have been, or 1-2, and two, we'd be celebrating today because the Chargers are without Joey Bosa, Justin Herbert's hurt. They lost their great tackle Slater for the year. They're really banged up. As always, Keenan Allen's hurt. They're always hurt. And Kansas City's already got a loss. So this game is magnified. It's a do-or-die game. We all know that. Enough of this must-win. It's do-or-die no team's going anywhere at 0-4 with Kansas City looming. And they got a home game. And if I can't sit here on the pre- and post-game show and on the flagship radio station and say it's do or die at 0-3 going into a home game, then I shouldn't be on the radio. I should be removed from the radio. This is a do or die game. Let's act like it. Let's act like it. Have the players play great, fast, and angry. But I think they're doing that. And what's happening is there's just a mistake or two that no one practiced for. You see, everybody, no one's practicing mistakes. They're over in Henderson, and they're running these plays over and over and over again, and they're trying to perfect it. And then they're training, and they're lifting weights, and they're getting treatment. They're preparing to win. But a fumble, a missed interception, a holding on the offensive line when it should be first and goal at the two, that's why they're losing these games. That's why they're losing the games. And again, I don't think the offense is playing at an explosive level. You know, for Derek Carr, the, he doesn't have excuses. He doesn't have any. Never had. I, you can't find one soundbite in the nine years that Derek has been in this organization where he's made an excuse. But the excuse is obvious from a fan perspective in the media. He doesn't have a very good offensive line. It's not very good. Forget about elite. Forget about highly ranked. It's not a very good offensive line yet. But Derek's had time to throw. Derek's had time to run. Derek's had time to set his feet. Not every time, but he's had time. And his throws, some of them have been really accurate and hitting guys in the hands and they're dropping them. 
God blanket. We're talking about drops. We're talking about drops. You can't drop the football. You're paid to catch the football. If the football comes to you, you're paid to catch it. They say it on every team in the NFL. We're not isolating the Raiders. It's every team. You're paid. You're not in the CFL, and there's some great Canadian Football League players. Swervin, Mervin, Fernandez was a Hall of Famer. Fred Bolitnikoff played in the CFL. You're in the NFL. No drops. Catch the ball when it hits you in the hand. The ball is not supposed to hit your face mask. It's supposed to hit your hands, and you're supposed to catch them. That's happening. And the false starts and the mistakes and the coverage and whatever it is. Other teams, tip your cap to the other teams. They're playing well. Whatever's happening has they're bracketing the Raiders. You know, the Raider coaches are doing a pretty good job with adjustments. I think that's before we get to this Patrick Graham portion of his media session today. He's making adjustments. They made good adjustments against the Chargers on defense, and they pitched a shutout in Nashville. So the coaches made adjustments, and Rob Ryan and the coaching staff, everybody in there, they're doing a decent job. But for whatever reason, in the beginning of the game, the soft coverage on defense is killing them. As guys are running wild over the middle of the field, that's got to be cleaned up. I don't know if you can clean it up without Denzel Perryman and Trayvon Merrick. I don't know. Uh, Jonathan Abram really concerns me in the next couple of games because it's Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. They key in on him, and they're going to try to expose him. They're going to try to find Jonathan Abram when the huddle breaks and go right at him. That's what's going to happen. I'm an expert on this topic. No one on the radio knows more than me on this. They will run misdirection. Here we go, misdirection. They'll start a play one way. They'll bring it back the other way because that's something that has not been fixed in Raider history since Greg Beekert who was able to kind of figure that out. Kirk Morrison. There's been some guys who can do it, but in general, the Raider defense, no matter who the defensive coordinator is, they just can't figure out misdirection. And I'm hoping Patrick Graham can do that because he's supposed to be a really sharp defensive mind and he knows what's coming. Russell Wilson doesn't run anymore unless he has to. Sound familiar? When he does run, he's really good. He's athletic. He can get outside the pocket. Sound familiar? Number four for the Raiders. Doesn't run much anymore, but when he does, you go, man, wow, Derek just ran the ball pretty well. Why doesn't he do it more? Russell Wilson just ran it more. See, what happened with Russell Wilson is they tried to protect him in Seattle, getting into the, you know, prime, uh, back end of the prime, not back end of his prime, the core of his prime of his career. In Seattle, they tried to save him and keep him in the pocket, and Nathaniel Hackett kind of wants to do the same thing in Denver. He doesn't want to hurt him and have him run a lot. Lamar Jackson runs a lot. Tua can run a lot. There are guys who can do it a little bit better than others. And I think this game's going to come down to Russell Wilson making his reads at the line of scrimmage. And I can tell you right now that Russell Wilson isn't intimidated by this Raider defense other than Max Crosby. Who would he be intimidated with? Who? Maybe he knows who Nate Hobbs is because Nate Hobbs can make a play from time to time. But other than that, Russell Wilson is feeling really good looking at film of the Raiders in three of their six halves. Three of their six halves they no-showed on defense. And that's got to change. And I hope it will change. I hope they're going to have a great week of practice. That's today's an off day, and they're going to be ready to roll. Patrick Graham, here he is, the defensive coordinator. We'll play a few minutes. I haven't heard this either. He met the media a short time ago. Um, At halftime... Discussion is just in terms of, okay, let's settle down. Let's see what they're doing. 
Um, and then let's do our best to take away what they're doing. You know, just play a little bit tighter with the run defense, a little tighter with the coverage, and, you know, just settling down was really the main thing. And, you know, just doing our fundamentals. I mean, most of the time when something like that happens, usually what we do is we go back and focus on the fundamentals, let's start tackling better, let's start playing with our hands better. And that, that was evident when you watched the tape. That's a lot of stuff that ended up um, happening better there. And then obviously I had to do a better job, you know, calling it too. But, I mean, usually it comes back to fundamentals. Well, both Max and Duran kind of talked about after the game of just embracing one play at a time and forgetting forgetting last play. Just it's it's all about this play. Do you think that was something that kind of it was building on itself in the first half? I, I'm not sure. You, you, I mean, again, you talked to them and they said that. I, I think that's just a a good thing to think about just in this league in general. Just you know, you have 17 opportunities every year right now, and each week is different. You know, and then you take that down to a smaller scale in terms of each play is different and just moving on from the next play. You know, I think that's an important philosophy just to think about this game in general. And, you know, but I can't speak for those guys, but I, I think it's a smart approach. Coach, when you look at Chandler, who's mm -hmm. paid a lot of money to be a big impact player, mm -hmm. and his impact hasn't been that, at least in my observation, mm -hmm. since in the first three games. Is there changes that schematically need to happen? Is it some things he needs to do? Where do you think he needs to do to be the Chandler Jones that people thought he was going to be? Again, each year is different, and when you know, again, when you watch the tape and see where people are having their production and just, again, everybody's looking for the statistics and stuff like that. The impact, one, you know, off the field, two, the attention they bring that allows other people to play more freely. Again, it's a long season, and I know this, Chandler works hard. And we'll see how, again, I know the only thing Chandler's worried about, just ha knowing him for a long time, is about wins. So regardless of what the production was or it, it, what it could have been, Chandler cares about winning. Just like the people here at this, in this building, we care about winning. So that's the number one thing. And, you know, once we start winning, that's, that's, that's what we'll be happy there. You know, you know, you guys are always preparing and watching film and seeing what the tendencies are of teams and getting ready for a game. The one thing the Titans just don't throw the ball to Derrick Henry. Like it doesn't. They threw it to him once in the first mm -hmm. two games, and it wasn't complete. Like when a team goes against their, I guess their identity like that. How difficult is that to, like, oh, this is not something we saw. This is not something we prepared for necessarily. What? How do you react to that? That that that's the most fun part of our job, I think. You know, just in terms of as a coach, the in-game adjustments. That's the most fun I've ever had coaching when you make an in-game adjustment. So. You know, because they throw something at you that's different, then you have to adjust to it, you know, whether it's checking the ball down to the back or, okay, they decide to go with perimeter runs as opposed to inside runs. You know, just like this week when we go against Denver, there's going to be something different. There's going to be a wrinkle. Because, again, that's what we do, you know, all the work for all week in terms of preparation is to try to find something where, okay, we could try to exploit this weakness or do something different, and then the adjustments have to happen in the game. But that's one of the most fun things that we do. And, I mean, I, I look forward to it. And, you know, obviously we got to do a good job of adjusting within the game, and that's an important part of our job. Going into this week against the Broncos, when you look at Russell Wilson, what's something that you think makes him different than the other three quarterbacks you've gone up against so far? I mean, one, you know, veteran. I mean, I know Tannehill's a veteran too, but just in terms of, you know, Russell has a lot of experience of running the offense, truly a check-with-me quarterback where he could call the play, get him in and out of plays um, at the line of scrimmage, and the experience he has with that, you know, no different than some of the other veteran quarterbacks. They've seen everything.
You know, they've seen you play too high. They've seen you play single high and spin the too high. They've seen all that stuff. So that's always interesting when you're playing a veteran quarterback like that, especially someone that's played at such a high level. The other thing that stands out, the ability to throw the ball deep with uh, Russell. I mean, I, I knew him when he was a kid. So I, I, he was a ball boy for us at Richmond. His brother played for us at the University of Richmond. So, I mean, he, he had these big hands and he could throw the ball. He threw the ball better than our – okay, I don't want to say that. State. <laughs> Stacy, Stacy, Tuttle get mad at me if I said that. Stacy, I didn't mean that, but like he could throw the ball pretty good um, when he was a young kid, and um, I think just the ability to throw the ball deep and the accuracy with it. You know, he gives a throws a very catchable ball. That's one thing that stands out just over the years. You know, over the years with him. Coach, when you start zero three, mm-hmm. there is a lot of pressure and there is negativity. But on the same side, there's been a lot that's been done well. So mm-hmm. as a coach. How do you balance, guys, we got to fix this and pointing out the mistakes, but still being honest and saying, hey, there's some things we've done right. I think I've, I've talked to you guys about this before. Consistency is a big thing, you know, just being consistent in terms of, okay, let's, let's we gotta build towards being more consistent within the game. Obviously, I have to be consistent with my approach in terms of, okay, here's the standard. This is what we want to have happen, and how can we build towards that? And because I'm a teacher and I just happen to teach football, just – Keep teaching and just, you know, building that relationship and getting the guys to understand, okay, we could have done this a little bit better. We could do this a little bit better. I could do this a lot better. You know, and that's that's one thing, the honesty for me, I think that's important. And, you know, thankfully all our coaches, we know do a better job and get these guys ready to go for the game and we'll do our best and see how it plays out on Sunday. Chandler may have been off to a slow start, as Sando was kind of talking about, but when you see numbers between him and Russell Wilson in the past, I think it's 16 and a half sacks that he's had on him Mm -hmm. alone. How much does that kind of excite you as a coordinator to have that matchup here in the AFC West with Chandler? Well, I I hope Russell's blocking Chandler. That that would help. No, but but, – no, I remember his first sack against Russell. It was in 2012. Uh, it was, I remember that was Chandler's rookie year. That was his first sack. And then, but um, I, I know he's he's good friends with Russell, I believe. And you know, I know Russ from when he was younger. And it's always a challenge to go against him. I mean, he was a rookie. My that was my third year in the league or fourth year in the league. And he came back with. Uh, Four minutes left. They were down by 12, and they won the game in Seattle. So it's always exciting to play with, play against them. And you know, you include the Super Bowl that we played against them. It's always exciting. But you have to ask Chandler what he's thinking about it. But I know they're friends, and they're probably excited to go against each other. But they don't directly go against each other, which you know, I, I know. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Apologize. <laughs> uh, Sam Webb's a young player, but he deserves to be here. You guys have said that. I'm just curious. You obviously can't control injuries or how mm-hmm. things progress, but is he a young man that you've got confidence in can step up if called upon and produce? The thing about Sam, the improvement since he's gotten here has been really, really good in terms of just learning how to study, learning how to study. You know, Again, a lot of stuff is outside of the football field. Just first learn how to be in the classroom, how to be attentive, how to study, and how to prepare. That's the stuff he's been working on. Uh, Jason Simmons has been doing a good job working with him there. The other thing is he's big, he's long, he's fast, so, and, he, and he has a willingness to be physical. So right there, those are a lot of the traits we're looking for from that defensive back position. And just, you know, again, as he gets his more and more opportunities, he's just got to take advantage of it. All right, that's Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator of the Raiders. Sounds loose. I mean, you got to go through life and enjoy life. You can't be negative about everything every day. And, 
know, it's, it's interesting. You hear these guys, they want to teach, and I think they are really good teachers. That's what their background is. And a lot of Raider fans, you know, you don't want to hear about the teaching and the process. You just want to see the wins and losses, and I get it. And it's a struggle, you know, because they're here to teach. They try to get the players to play at a better rate of play. They're trying to get the players in a better position to win. And I think the coaches have done that. I think the coaches in general have prepared the team decent enough for them to win. All three of the games they played, at least two of them. I think they were prepared. They were mental lapses, mistakes, penalties, and snake bit, just bad luck. That went against them for them to be 0-3. So it doesn't feel, it is an 0-3 team, but there's a lot of positives. The three halves that they dominated their opponent is something to build on. You could show the tape. You could say, hey, this is when we dominated. Let's try to find a way to dominate. You know, everybody wants the Raiders to dominate four quarters. That's not going to happen. Don't, don't look for that to happen in the next four weeks. For the Raiders to come out and play four great quarters of football, they'll tell you that. But that's hard to do because the opponent does a good job scheming you and they're good teams. But for the Raiders, what they got to do is just play to their ability for most of the game. Catch the ball, block. And something that they stressed in the offseason was penalties and playing smart. And that's not happening. They're not playing smart. There are penalties more than I expected here. And they got to find a way to clean it up. So that's where we are as we open up the show. Former safety Hiram Eugene who played for the Raiders for a number of years, will join us at the bottom of the hour. Jeff Sherman at 1245 from the Westgate on some of the moving lines. Last night, uh, the Cowboys won with Cooper Rush. That's pretty frustrating, too. They went into a 2-0 team. The Giants, who beat the Titans, they went in there and won. So the Dallas Cowboys uh, won, won a big game for them in what felt like a must-win game because they were on the road in the division. And the Eagles are already 3-0 and in the division. The Cowboys would have dropped to 1-2. and and the Cowboys took care of their business. They took care of the business that they had to, and they played well, and they won the game. And a lot of other teams, I thought, played inspired football this week in winning games. No bigger than the Colts, who beat the Chiefs 20-17. to Matt Ryan got that team back on track. The Dolphins are 3-0. and They beat the Bills. I thought the Bills had a chance to go undefeated this year. Didn't think they'd lose to the Dolphins. The Dolphins look like they're for real. The Vikings are 2-1. and They're 2-0 and at home. Taking care of business at home, something the Raiders need to do. The Ravens might have the MVP, the MVP of the league, five TDs. I mean, look at Lamar Jackson. He's an elite quarterback, everybody. He's elite. There's no debate there. The Bengals got their first win. They're one and two. It's nothing to be excited about, but they got a win, 27 to 12. Baker Mayfield got his first win before Derek Carr. Panthers are want beat the Saints twenty two to fourteen, and I mentioned the Jaguars, who the Raiders will see later on this season. The Jaguars are two and one. Raiders are going to face New Orleans in Jacksonville. Those are two games that, if the Raiders are playing well, they can win. Right back to back, they're going to stay out east. They could win those games back to back, but they got to get a couple of wins before that. And the Cardinals should be zero and three. They lost to the Rams, but they beat the Raiders. They are one and two. Remember, the Seahawks started off the season against Russell Wilson. They won. They lost their last two. Tom Brady lost his home opener. The Packers won 14-12. to And the Broncos won 11-10 to over the 49ers. 11-10. to And the Niners are 1-2. and And the Wolves are at the door with that team. So there's a lot going on here, man. A lot going on. Raiders need a win. It's the same program for us. We'll go heavy on the Denver Broncos starting today. 
I'll have three Bronco insiders on. We'll have Raider alumni. We'll have Raider insiders the rest of the week, and we'll try to hear from you and to get your opinion simply on how they win this game. A win here would do wonders. It would give them momentum and something positive going into Kansas City, which is without a doubt the toughest task of the year. No doubt that will never change until Mahomes and Andy Reid break up. The toughest game of the entire year is a week from Monday in Kansas City. And you don't want to see the Raiders going into that game 0-4. That could get ugly. And we got to avoid that. The Raiders got to get a win. They're a favorite. I think they've played well at times this year, and they can win this game. They fired Vic Fangio. They've been all over this organization the last couple of years. But now Russell Wilson came in to stop the bleeding against the Raiders, and it's his first game as a Bronco against the Raiders, and they got momentum. They're going to be really ready to go. Passionate Raiders, start us off as we got time for you here in the monologue. Go ahead. Yes, sir, JT. Thank you, man. You know, JT, just just sitting back and just rethinking again about this team this year and what we have on the field. And, and JT, we've got some good players, but we also have a lot of young guys who don't have a lot of experience. And it's at those positions, I believe, is what's causing the the, the slip-ups. I mean, we can't blame – I'm not going to sit here and blame McDaniels for Abrams missing tackles. I'm not going to blame McDaniels for Darren Waller not catching touchdown passes. I'm not going to blame McDaniels for Derek Carr underthrowing wide-open receivers. That All these plays are there to be made. It's just going to take maybe McDaniels. We all want it now, JT, and I get, I'm one of the ones that gets so pissed off when we lose. And I really haven't been I, – I, I've been wanting to, but I have finding myself not really being able to get that mad because you know what, JT, in the reality of the situation, this team is all new and has to learn to play together. And I'm understanding what Josh is saying when he's saying about we have to learn to win together because the team that won together last year, that 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 team is not there. There's a couple of players, but there's a lot of guys where we need we need some 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 bigger pieces and bigger places on this team, and it can't happen in one off season. So you know whatever Josh and whatever Josh and Ziegler's got going on, JT, we, I'm just, we're, if, we're in these games. We haven't been getting clobbered these games. We've been in them. We've fought back. We, we've had 1-1. One, one. We took our foot off the gas. So it hasn't been no blowout to where we've looked horrible. It's a player or two away from a W in, our, in the NFL. No matter what, I want to win every game. We all want to. The reality of the situation, that will never happen in a perfect world. It has to be perfect for things to be perfect. We're not imperfect in Raider Land, JT. So we're just going to have to sit back. Buckle our chin straps. Josh isn't going nowhere in one year. I don't think if we start the season at 0-5 and and we're losing the way that we're losing right now, Mark really can't sit there and say that this is a coaching problem because it's not. We're just going to have to be patient, get the right players at the right timing. But I got a feeling this week, JT, that this Denver Broncos are going down in the black hole. We're going to start this see We're going to start this year off with this win at home against a team that we hate the most. Because if because if Indianapolis Colts with, with our old DC can go in and beat the Chiefs, come on, man, we got to have something has to fire us up, JT. And if Josh McDaniels needs passing it right on that sideline to keep these boys fired up, please get me there, JT. Because I promise you, I'll keep that sideline fired up. We won't go down no more. 
Come on, man. Let's get this, JT. Let's go, guys. Be yeah, patient. I, it's going to happen, man. Appreciate it, passionate. I will not have a sideline pass for you for this game. I will not. I apologize for that. I will not request one. But uh, you keep being you. You keep being you and being passionate about this team. Uh, that's all I got on this show till next August. So I need more fans who are passionate about this team. Okay? <laughs> I'm fine with people being upset, angry, passionate, happy, whatever you are. Uh, I don't play therapist on the radio. What I do is give you an opportunity to vent. And we've been doing a lot of venting this year after a perfect preseason with no injuries, undefeated in the preseason, Cliff Branch getting inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Diana Ross performing at Cliff's party, the alumni event, the largest in NFL history, the largest alumni turnout in NFL history. God, it was damn good for about four or five weeks, and we want to see it get back to that again. We want to see it get back to it again. PT's fuels the monologue. How could you not be there on Sunday? If you want to watch the game, go there. Go to PT's. They will get you all set for not only the Vegas Golden Knights, but the Raiders. You'll have a great time. 64 taverns in Southern Nevada. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Modelo, a proud sponsor of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. We're still all learning each other. There's a whole new system and everything. Everybody's coming together, but there's so much great greatness in store, and I can't wait for it. And everybody just believes in each other. That's that's what football is all about, you know. And, and it's about getting another win in that win column, and we were able to do that. JT, back with you as we continue on on a big week as we get ready for the Denver Broncos. Uh, Brandon Cristal will join us at the top of the hour. Broncos insider. As we keep going here, 702-365-9200. We're waiting on Hiram Eugene, former safety for the Raiders, to join us if you want to get up before he gets in here. Really the big topic I wanted to talk about today, and you can jump in on this at any point, is how do the Raiders pick up the pace with the speed of the offense? And as I talked to Lincoln Kennedy about that, uh, Lincoln Kennedy, and that was just Russell Wilson coming out of the break, you know he's going to be ready to go. Russell Wilson can run fast-paced, up-tempo, as good as anybody I've seen. I really want to make that point clear. And Brady could do it. He's the GOAT. So Brady's on a different level. Brady's the greatest of all time. When you think of quarterbacks who can run up-tempo, what you need is communication. You need the quarterback to be able to communicate with the offensive line. That's it. I talked to Lincoln Kennedy about it in the booth, and we got deep into the conversation. You have to have confidence as a quarterback that you can move the ball without huddling and go quickly with multiple plays because the offensive line can handle it. I don't know if anybody thinks that the offensive line could handle it right now. I don't know. I, I just think that when you're playing seven guys on the offensive line, when you're not starting guys who should start, wink, wink, heading into a game, how could you run no tempo, up tempo? How could you do it? If you're not going to play Simpson, and you're going to sit another guard because of a bad practice or they're not ready to play or you don't think they're as good as the guys who are backing them up, how are you going to run fast pace up-tempo? And that's something I want to talk about with you fans here because I think that's a big way to turn around the season. Play faster. Play more desperate on offense. Let Derek Carr play. Hiram Eugene joins us, former Raider safety out of Louisiana Tech, played for the Oakland Raiders. From 2006 to 2011, we'll have been in Vegas this weekend. And Hiram, good to talk to you again. I love saying Oakland Raiders and interviewing an Oakland Raider. How are you? 
Good, good, good. I'm doing great. Uh, tell me what you think of this team in the slow start here because they've been close. They played three really good halves and three subpar halves. They haven't put together a complete game. You played in this league for a while. What's it like being coached through that when you know you're better than your record? Well, the thing is, you got to keep moving forward. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure coaches in these guys' ears and say, we're, we're right there. All we just got to do is cross that hump. And, uh, you know, as players, you just got to dig deep and, and got to grind a little harder to make those, those those plays that that we need, just just need to just, just cross over. Yeah, that's important because you, you played in the league and you know when you're getting coached up that hard and you got to dig a little bit deeper. Is that because you feel the pressure? You start to hear the outside noise or you're just a pro and you know you got to take care of your business better? It's, it's just being a pro. You got you to do what it takes to take care of the business better. That's it. I mean, the outside noise is going to be there whether you win or lose. So you got to kind of hear it but not really hear it and just do what you got to do. Hiram Eugene joins us, former safety for the Raiders. So what was that like when you had to prepare for a guy a running, a hard runner? Maybe give me an example. The Raiders just had Derrick Henry. And then the following week, a few days later, you're preparing for Russell Wilson or a mobile quarterback. You're a safety. Those are different assignments. Sometimes you're in the box. Sometimes you're playing more bracket coverage and playing more center field to not let a guy get behind you. Right. Well, especially with mobile quarterbacks, the most important thing you're going to have to do is contain those guys. Uh, try not to let it get out the pocket. That's when they really can do something with their legs and arms when they got more time by moving out of the pocket. So if you keep them contained and put, put the pressure from the inside, you, we'll, we'll, we'll be pretty good. I want to get back into your career because when you signed your contract extension with the Raiders, you dislocated your hip in a preseason game. And you had to have surgery. How difficult was that moment for you and your future having a significant injury like this, wanting to play football longer and longer, but having limitations from the injury? Yeah, well, I, I, at first it was it was it was real tough because um, you know I think I I could have in my head I could still go back out and do it, mm-hmm. but the body was telling me something different. Um, so you gotta kind of change your mindset when when that's going on and, and think of your body first um long term especially if you got family um mm. so you look at that and and you have to take a sit back and and just kind of just think it over mm-hmm. being a player and playing for since you're five years old right you have a mentality you, like Brady, you can play till you fifth. You know, <laughs> in our heads, it's, it's that way. But you know, the body says different. One hundred percent of the times. Hiram Eugene, as we wrap it up, former Raider safety, played in Oakland. Well, what's life after football been like for you and your family? Tell me about that. Life after football has been great. Um, I've been doing a lot of youth coaching, mm-hmm. uh, helping out with the high school football teams, middle school football teams. And really teaching kids uh, how to how to really play the game um, according to their skill set. Because, um, like me, I played a lot of different positions growing up. Um, so the more positions you can play, the better you have success 
going forward because you playing offense and you're going against the defensive guys. It's like, well, I know what I need to do because I played that position, so mm. I know how to beat that position. So, you know, just really teaching the youngsters that has been great. It's been great. Excellent. Yeah, giving back and teaching kids is a really fabulous blessing to have in life. Uh, once a Raider, always a Raider. What does this organization yeah. mean to you today? Today, it means a lot. Um, you know, I came up under Al, and then um, I don't think Al's mindset is nearly as open as it is with his son. So mm-hmm. with that being said, I, you know, I kind of like the change. Um, I think it was kind of, at first for me, I was like, I don't think that was a good move. But then looking at the business aspect, I was like, man, it's great. And then, you know, with them being out there in Vegas, um, you know, with the new facility, mm-hmm. you, you guys' eyes get big. You start to get a little more hungry because, you, you know, you want to do good. You want to you want to really play for the owner. Um, yeah, you want to play for your teammates and your coaches, but if you can make the organization that much better, I think it, it, it goes a long way. Um, so with that being said, I mean, I'm, I, I love the move. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Oakland was great for me. Uh, the people in the organization is great. They're still great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to be out there this weekend. Yes, um, excited to see you. So uh, when I when I come out and every game I've I've come out to in Vegas we won so we that win this week I will count on that I will see you at the <laughs> game on Sunday Hiram good to catch up with you again look forward to your trip out here thanks for joining us on the flagship of the Raiders really appreciate it thank you guys have a good one you got it Hiram Eugene former safety he will be out here along with several other alumni including Fred Bolitnikoff and Tim Brown. Uh, they bring in alumni. Once a Raider, always a Raider. We should have a really good pregame show from the torch. So get in there. We got a couple of surprises, some good entertainment, and some great guests that will join us live from the torch. And when we get closer to announcing that, we will. Closer to Friday. As I said, coming into this segment, Friday I'm at Virgin Hotels in the lobby from 4 to 6. Come on out. Have a Modelo podcast. It's really relaxed. We're talking to some cool people in town. And then hanging out at Virgin Hotels. JT, on a nice day to be on the radio as the Raiders need a W. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show. Brought to you by the Botanist Gin. The number one fastest growing brand. Step up your cocktail game with the Botanist Gin. In your time in the league, have you seen teams be able to capitalize on a win like this and kind of use it to push them forward, surge them forward, and kind of get rolling after such an emotional win? Yeah, of course. I think that, you know, as a coach, you always want to be able to coach harder when you win because there's still so many things that we need to correct. Offensively, there's probably some things, even on defense, even though it was a great game, um, there's always going to be things that we can correct, and we all want to grow as a team. You know, we want to be better on special teams, offense, defense, and, and when you win, you have that ability to coach even harder. And for us, you know, to build off of it, I mean, heck, we had a good win last week. We had another one this week. And, you know, however we have to win, we're going to do everything we can. And we just want to be sure we all stick together. Nate Hackett is Denver's 2-1, and one, which is maybe the biggest shock in the league. Maybe. It really is. Because they could have been 0-3 easily. They're 2-1, and one and they don't care. They, they want to go 3-1 and one in Vegas. JT, back with you. Always a pleasure to welcome in Jeff Sherman's. 
Senior VP of Risk Management over at the Superbook at the Westgate. Uh, Jeff, first off, let's start with this line move. I see you have the Chargers minus four and a half. Houston, all the Charger injuries and how tough the handicap, knowing the status of that rib cartilage with Justin Herbert. And that's just what it is. You know, we opened at six and it's been bet down to four and a half and it's been sharp money that drove it down. So, you know, we just try to try to factor in how these injuries are going to play into it. And if, if there were no injury factor, it would be a seven point spread. And I don't think there'd be much movement, but you know, we open it less than that, and we've seen some uh, sharp play on the underdog. You haven't gotten Minnesota, I believe, to three. It's two and a half here in New Orleans, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We have a England game here with quarterbacks who at times, you know, I, I always know Cousins could have a really good game. I think of this as a primetime game because it's not Monday Night Football where he struggled, but it's a global game, and New Orleans looking to bounce back with Jameis Winston. Yeah, it's a rare, uh, solid matchup for a London game, too. So, um, in, intriguing. And Vikings slightly power rated higher than the Saints. As you said, Vikings minus two and a half. The thing you want to keep an eye on is the total here. Uh, the Saints have been a low scoring team and keeping teams at bay from that perspective. So the total sitting at 43 and a half. Jeff, tell me how the Raiders are a favorite at home. Two and a half here. Do you think it'll get to three with all the tickets, most of the tickets and money on Las Vegas as they're 0-3? No, we opened at two, and it's up to two and a half. And I understand the movement, you know, with the Raiders being 0-3, so it's considered one of those must-win spots. Uh, if it got to three, you'd see Denver money show up immediately. So I'm not expecting a three. Um, if you did, you'd see a form of three where Denver plus three minus 120, but I highly doubt it. If anything, I think people will play with a price on two and a half before getting to that key number of three. Now, one of the games that jumped out at me is we know the injury to Mac Jones in Green Bay here, minus ten and a half against New England without their quarterback for a while, but a low total here at 40. And I think it opened uh, where consensus at 42 and a half here. I think, I think that Aaron Rodgers could put up 30, 34 in this game alone here. How do you see this one? Yeah, the problem is how much can the Patriots put up? So, right. um, you know, and, and that's what you tend to see when a quarterback is out is the spread move against that team and the total come down a little bit. And we've seen it like that with the Dallas games, too. So, um, not unexpected here with, you know, we opened the Packers at seven and a half, took sharp money at seven and a half and eight and a half, quickly got to ten and a half. We actually took more at nine and a half, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the same thing, we took uh, under money from the sharps on the total, which have driven it down to 40 and a half. Uh, what are you looking at with the weather, with the hurricane, with Tampa Bay and the ability to move that game? I know Tampa Bay is practicing in Miami, and Kansas City's coming off a loss here. It's Kansas City at the Westgate, minus two in this game, on the road at Tampa, but the weather should be a really big issue here. Yeah, and it's really interesting here because there's talk of it possibly being moved to New Orleans if uh, Tampa can't hold this game. And one thing that you should look for is the house rules at each sports book. Now, if you bet it at the Westgate, we have wherever played is in the house rules. So if you have that spread locked in and it moves, the point spread is going to move because the game might not be at Tampa, so the power ratings are different. But the spread that you would have locked in, you would still have action on here. Other books refund it because it must be played in that city. So mm-hmm. uh, you have to look for that technicality uh, involving this game. Jeff Sherman's our guest. So I watched Kevin Durant at the presser yesterday and he had to go take his medicine and i thought he did a pretty good job he talked about how concerned he was about the culture of the team talking to the owner but i covered that story tight and he wanted out and he wanted out bad and he lost all the leverage and he's back 
Any line movement with the futures on the Nets here? Because they got a good roster, but I don't know if they can get Simmons going. And Kyrie looked pretty happy yesterday. It looks like they put the band back together and they're going to make a run. Yeah, there has been a little bit of movement, but that has been mostly in part due to MIU Doka and the Celtics situation, where we've had to raise the Celtics' odds without their coach this year, lower their win total. So at the same time, I bumped the Nets up and lowered their future odds from 10-1 to 1 down to 8-1. to 1. Uh, and the division odds have, have reshaped, but the uh, Udoka situation has uh, had a large effect on the Atlantic Division. Yeah, let me follow up with that. It's a really bizarre story. TMZ seems to be updating it almost by the, by the day here, and how that would affect. You're a professional handicapper. You look at rosters and coaches and all that, and this coach really made a big difference with the Boston Celtics. I could clearly see how you have to lower the number of games won there because this guy's really good at what he does, and they're going to be with an interim coach. Yeah, we went from 54.5 to 52.5 on the season wins, and you saw what he did the second half of the season. Once the team got his system down and learned him, uh, it it really had an effect on the team and getting him so close to the finals. Now, you know, it takes so much and luck included to do that, and now you have the coaching situation, a Robert Williams injury that they're dealing with. So, you know, a a lot of issues with the Celtics. So when we relax that season win total down, You have to look at changing the odds on Philadelphia, changing the odds on Brooklyn. Hey, finally, uh, I want to get into, I'm watching soccer uh, earlier, and is there going to be a big vibe for the World Cup? I love the World Cup. And I look at it from a gaming perspective here, coming up here as they're wrapping up these friendlies and these qualifiers way ahead of the World Cup, but it's coming sooner than later. Are you expecting a big handle this year on the World Cup? Yeah, it'll be down a little bit just because of the time of year that we're going up against it. Uh, but right. one thing to look forward to is the U.S. plays England on the Friday after Thanksgiving at 11 a.m. Mm. And we're going to be putting that game on sound over the college football games that day. So we're trying to, to push the World Cup and, and the, the top games and uh, you know get that betting handle up. So we've already done a lot of props for it. We've seen some uh, good action on the future book. Brazil, Argentina have been taking a lot, a lot of support there. But uh, it's definitely going to be down just because of the time of year going up against the NFL. I will be in a booth. I will be saying hi to you at the Westgate for the World Cup. Book it and lock it. Thanks, Jeff. I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Yeah, Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. Man, I love the World Cup. I love it that we're in it. And a lot of times if the United States men aren't any good, I could care less. I root for England. I don't know why. I just do. I like England. I, I love European soccer. I love the premiership. So I like to root for England, and they're a snake-bit team. But I love the culture and the excitement of World Cup. And the last time we had it here, and I think I was over at McMullen's in Vegas and a couple other spots, you got to get there like two hours early. you got to get your pints of Modelo going. you got to get stuck in, as they say. you got no elbow room. You're at a bar. The World Cup is coming on. It's just great. It truly is sports at the highest level. You see, here in the United States of America, we're super arrogant. We think that we're the best at everything. We're actually not. I love America more than anybody I ever met, and what we do is great. But we're nowhere competitive in soccer other than our women. So when the World Cup comes around, it's kind of tough to get us going here because we know the United States men aren't going to win. But this year, with Pulisic, they have a chance. They have a chance to get to the round of 16, and once you get there, anything could happen. First hour of the show brought to you by Sam and Ash. Give them some extra plugs. They deserve it. Sam will join us in about 45 minutes. Sam and Ash is Ashley. 
And man, she just won a big case in Vegas that's all over the news. That's why I work with them. The premier injury attorneys in Vegas, salmonashinjurylaw.com, because you deserve what's right. We'll go out to Denver and talk to Broncos insider Brandon Cristal next. He's really good. He'll tell us all about the Broncos.